Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Welcome, welcome. Sabbath morning. Glad you're here. Uh, <laughs> as always, you know, we, uh, we're, here. we're thrilled. We're thrilled to be here. <laughs> we are pumped to talk about all things Mormon. Mm, as always. Uh, we were just chatting before we hit record and we were just talking about some stuff, you know, how everyone's going through shit and whatever. Then I was like, well... You want to talk about Mormonism now? Hurrah! We'll bring, bring the mood up a bit. It's just like, oh, no, that's not how that works. But we try. Um, it's, you know, at least it's like you can place your anger into that instead of the that's shit you have point. going on. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I'm thinking of it. It's like I have a lot, a lot of shit going on right now, but I'm going to just place that emotion and anger into talking. Right. It's kind of like when if you've had a really bad day and you go home and for dinner you make like a chicken cutlet and you just hammer the fuck out of it and you just you just take that anger and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna hammer the fuck out of the <laughs> hammer the fuck out of that it. That sounded and- weird. In a non-sexual way, and uh, now I just want a chicken cutlet. Um, yeah, good. or the, uh, what are they, are they called schnitzels over oh, in Germany? yeah. Yeah, when I visited Sarah in Germany, they, <laughs> they took us to this place that had amazing schnitzel. It was huge. Massive. It's like bigger than your head. It's way bigger than your head. It's like a mass- Yeah, but it was Sorry, delish. Sorry, schnitzel. <laughs> okay, well... Do you have any announcements or shall we jump in? No, no announcements other than everyone else who's following Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, the season finale. <laughs> oh, yeah, you mentioned that. And um, uh, I think people are waiting for us to cover it. So we're yeah, just waiting on me, people. <laughs> it's just one more episode of the reunion. And there was some stuff that I was like, oh, I wonder if I can like find like a transcribed of, of the reunion, like a trans transcript, a transcript of the reunion, because mm-hmm. there's so many things I'm like, Oh my God, this is, they get into it. They get into it, Katie. I will save it, but they talk a lot about the Mormon church when they never do like not in that detail or in that, mm-hmm. like putting the spotlight on them in a negative way. And I was like, fuck, this is what, this is what I've been waiting for four seasons later. You were living uh, for it living for it so guys if you're following we will do an episode soon but i'm just waiting for the final reunion to come out which is i think it's already out i think so so oh all right we'll have to get on that okay so today i found a talk that was given by jeffrey r holland (gasps) yeah it it was given in 1999 which I know to our younger listeners probably feels like eons ago, um, but that to me feels like just two years ago. It was before Y2K. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So for a little bit of um, context here, Sarah and I were um, 10 and 11 years old in 1999. And so, (laughs) so we were this was like our prime years we were 
little sponges soaking up everything that was being told to us. And we were both very in the Mormon church at this point, right? Yes. Braces and all. Yes, I absolutely had my braces. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My my braces, umbro shorts, um, never blow dried my hair, but just would walk out of the shower and put my hair up in a slick back bun. That was look. I I had my braces and my butterfly clips and oh, my jet. <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 relative, really. <laughs> you were cute. I was. You were cute. Know what was happening? But Don't I right had now. no confidence during that point of my life. And I think back, and I say, "You go, girl." Like I know. you. You were looking a mess, but you had all the confidence. I know. It was those prime years, those prime years right before you really, every person and a lot of times girls start to hate their body because by the media, you're supposed to hate it. It's like when you're around 10, 11, 12, you're like experimenting with a body glitter and you ha- you have all this gel in your hair and yeah you might look a little uh, but you feel great <laughs> and you haven't learned to hate yourself yet so <laughs> yeah. that was around this time so I'm sure we heard this talk then at general conference and this man Jeffrey R. Ho- R. Holland is still an apostle of the Mormon church he's very high up he was the one who talked about musket fire towards the LGBTQ community uh, just a couple of years ago. So, yep, keep that in mind. That's him. I didn't know if he was still alive or not, but... Oh, he is. He's okay. still kicking. Um, and this talk is titled Personal Purity. Oh, I know this talk. You do? I know this talk as a youth. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, yep. be prepared to revisit I mean, I haven't, I haven't heard it since I was like 12, but I know this talk. You were 12. Did you ever wear one of those long, like, to-the-floor denim skirts? Yes. I had, I think, those in, like, three colors, and I might have been wearing this, one of those, when I heard this talk. Who ah! <laughs> <laughs> it was that and, like, the the polo shirt and then the oh. hemp necklace that was, like, a choker with puka shells. Absolutely. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, slay. And- and the chunky Steve Madden black slides, which have now full circle come back. back. Those yeah. little ankle snappers is what they are. Yes. And I never had the actual Steve Madden brand. I had like the off brand, but I still had them, you know. <laughs> yes. I, I can still hear the noise of you yep. walking in those. Like I can hear myself it's like. Yes. Yeah, slapping against your foot. So, everyone, I hope we've transported you to 1999 <laughs> if you're in that mindset. And we're going to be, I'm going to be reading this talk to you. And uh, just imagine little 12 year old, 11 year old you hearing these words. This is going to be great. Okay. As modern winds of immorality swirl luridly around them, I am concerned for any of our youth or young adults who may be confused about principles of personal purity, about obligations of total chastity before marriage, and complete fidelity after it. Wow. So, again, like, think of your audience, 11, Mm 12-year-olds listening to this, who probably don't even know what the fuck chastity or purity means and then they have to be educated on it so that thought is already put in their head Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i wish to speak today about moral cleanliness 
today I know how Jacob in the Book of Mormon felt when he said on the same topic, quote, it grieveth me that I must use so much boldness of speech. Okay, Jeffrey. Like, <laughs> he's, he's like, I am like Jacob in the Book of Mormon, and it grieves me that I must talk to you about chastity, but I will do it anyway because oh, I am so great. He's such a saint <laughs> for sacrificing and for for talking to 12 year olds about sex yeah exactly (laughs) why is this matter of sexual relationships so severe that fire is almost always the metaphor with passion pictured vividly in flames what is there in the potentially hurtful heat of this that leaves one's soul or the whole world for that matter destroyed if that flame is left unchecked and those passions unrestrained what? No, it sounds like they just need some chafing cream. That's intense. <laughs> Get some chafing cream and an ice pack, honey. Yes. Or go see a doctor if it's burning that much. She got a rash, Jeff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is there in all of this that prompts Alma to warn his son Corianton that sexual transgression is an abomination in the sight of the Lord? Yea, it is the most abominable above all sins, save it be the shedding of innocent blood or denying the Holy Ghost. Okay, I'm pausing here because we get trolls and Mormons mm-hmm. that tell us that we're wrong. And they say it was never taught that sexual sin is next to murder well there it is there There it fucking is and we heard this shit since we were young so Mm -hmm. do so many other mormons Mm -hmm. and it's like not just the generational thing it's not just our generation i heard this every generation heard this from a young age that Mm -hmm. pretty much if you have sex it is not almost on the same level as murder and so think about what that does to a young young brain like Mm -hmm. your mind is so sensitive at that point and like so influenced and easily like you 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 soak it all up and Mm -hmm. like that shit stays with you for a long time so when you're being told that if you do anything sexually that's outside of marriage then it's like close to murder yeah it's fucks with your head as a kid it surely does they they don't ever say (laughs) assaulting someone is i mean they do say that that's a sin but they don't talk about it in this way yeah having sex or even to be more frank masturbating is worse than um any kind of physical assault any kind of theft any any of that having sex doing anything sexual even with yourself is the worst thing you can do besides murdering someone and denying the holy denying the holy ghost which so <laughs> ridiculous and again we say it all the time but when you leave the church and you hear things like this it just confirms like how how did you ever a believe in the ship also think that there's a god out there that really cares that much about if you have sex with someone or if you masturbate or not like what what kind of god would really care exactly what that would be the weirdest <laughs> creepiest god truly exactly and yet we were like that's normal that makes sense that god cares that much about our purity yeah we absolutely and, bought into this all the way easy. yeah <laughs> 
By assigning such seriousness to a physical appetite so universally bestowed, what is God trying to tell us about its place in his plan for all men and women? I submit to you he is doing precisely that, commenting about the very plan of life itself. Clearly among his greatest concerns regarding mortality are how ones get into the world and how one gets one gets out of it. He has set very strict limits in these matters. Oh. <laughs> Again, why is he so obsessed? <laughs> why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> Isn't that a Mariah Carey song? Yes, I was singing it in my head. Why are you so obsessed with me? Oh, yes, we have yeah. been bestowed with the Sarah singing magic. <laughs> it has come back to us, dear friends, and it's I know back. we've all missed it. <laughs> it's back in my little pop reference where I'm pretty sure Mariah wrote that song about Eminem. Just oh that. yeah. Can we, have, can we have someone out there create us a meme of <laughs> Mariah Carey, or it could be Sarah if you want, <laughs> singing to Celestial Jesus with the air bubble? Why are you so obsessed with me? Because he needs to get a life. I'm telling you. <laughs> Either Mariah Carey or me, or I always think of obviously main girls like, why are you so obsessed with me? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is also now a song, by the way. That line has been turned into a remix of a new pop song. So I just think that one out there, too. Oh. (laughs) Guys, pop related. Sarah just has all the pop culture references. Let's go. Okay. Fortunately, in the case of how life is terminated, most seem to be quite responsible. But in the significance of giving life, we sometimes find near criminal irresponsibility. May I offer three reasons why this is an issue of such magnitude and the consequence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's saying the significance of giving life, we find near criminal irresponsibility. I don't. I feel like big Mormon families are irresponsible, not yeah. someone who's like family planning or <laughs> using condoms. I don't know. I don't know. He's I trying think to that's like this. Exactly. That's so stupid to say that it's irresponsible. I mean, everyone's choice, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying like if you are Mormon, and you have lots of kids that that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that preparing your family planning isn't wrong either and also if you can afford to have kids not just financially but emotionally you know you have to be available like it's a huge commitment and to have multiple kids when you aren't able to provide that level of support on all different areas then you probably shouldn't have more than one you know what I mean like right and I also think he might be referring there to abortion that or might be referring to people getting pregnant out of wedlock and how that's a sin if they have if they have sex before marriage then they could get pregnant and then that's a criminal irresponsibility or something like way to shame um you know mothers that have children without being wed to the father i i don't know but they do that all the time. I remember, like, there would be people in my ward who would get pregnant out of wedlock, and it was like, oh, they're now no longer dateable. Like, material. Uh, it's awful. I, I can't imagine being a single mother and being Mormon. Oh, oh, my God. 
the amount of shame and judgment. God. Okay. The body is an essential part of the soul. This distinctive and very important Latter-day Saint doctrine underscores why sexual sin is so serious. We declare that one who uses the God-given body of another without divine sanction abuses the very soul of that individual, abuses the central purpose and process of life, the very key to life, as President Boyd K. Packer once called it. Okay, this makes me so angry because they're willing to have this talk and to explicitly call it out as if it's abuse, yet they do nothing when it is actual sexual abuse that happens within the church and happens with men in leadership positions. Mm-hmm. Then they don't say bullshit, but now they want to talk about it and comparing sexual sin as an emotional or not even emotional, just abuse on the soul. Like, yeah. fuck off. Like, no. Yeah, they're calling consensual sex. <laughs> Unless you're married, it's abuse. Um, that's not true. Yeah. And like you said, they do not do anything about actual abuse. So the that's irony. So infuriating. Like, that really makes me so angry. Yeah. <laughs> and then this next word, in exploiting the body of another, which means exploiting his or her soul, one desecrates the atonement of Christ, which saved that soul and which makes possible the gift of eternal life. And when one mocks the son of righteousness, one steps into a realm of heat hotter and holier than the noonday sun. You cannot do so and not be burned. Oh, my God. Whoa. That is some fear right there. Like, yeah. Fear. Like, you will, are going to burn up. and You're going to be- burn up. Yeah. And these these words, the how they use the word abuse, exploit, desecrate, all of that mock. It's like, how is how is desecrating or or any of those words related to expressing physical affection towards someone, which is a lot of times what sex is. Unless they're uh, confusing des- with that with defecating, then I don't. Oh my god. I don't know. I mean, some people are into that, Katie. Some people are into that, and that is fine. So unless they're confusing it with that word, I don't know how any of these things apply to sexual (laughs) actions. I, you, you're grounded. (laughs) Yeah, you're grounded. Okay. (laughs) But really, it's so silly that they even, it's just, I mean, well, and it's silly, but it's also damaging it's to people so damaging. who are listening to it. And then they're going to be afraid of sex. Which and then what happened? That's what happened to us. Like, yeah, I yeah. was terrified. Like in high school, if any, if a guy even just like put his arm around me, I was instantly like, ah, get away. Like, yeah, you don't want to yeah. burn. You don't want <laughs> to burn up. Burn. Yeah. And you don't want to commit the sin that's closest to murder. Like, uh, okay. yes, I just, in my head, because of the narrative that the church presents, it was like, I was convinced that if I let a guy put their arm around me or hold my hand, or if I was alone with a man that I would not be able to control myself and he wouldn't be able to control himself. So we would just automatically have to have sex. Like that's, that's where my brain was like, I cannot be alone with a man because it will happen because I have no control over 
myself or he like he doesn't have it and that's what the church tells me is that like satan will just take over us and we will fall into temptation yeah i mean it's it's absolutely true you're you're taught never to be alone with a member of quote unquote the opposite sex um because yeah to them gay people don't exist and (laughs) all that but um yeah you're not supposed to do that because uh, and a lot of time the narrative that we heard too was of course yeah you're going to be tempted but that the the guy will be tempted and not be able to control himself which how rude to say that about all men you know they're just like going to sexually assault you if you're alone with them that's not how most men work exactly (laughs) but anyway okay please never say who does it hurt why not a little freedom i can transgress now and repent later Please don't be so foolish and cruel. You cannot with impunity crucify Christ afresh. <laughs> like what? Crucify Christ afresh. <sighs> Cuz see, I think that's I I like the question. Why not a little freedom? Why not experiment <laughs> a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Flee fornication, Paul cries, and flee anything like unto it. Why? Well, for one reason, because of the incalculable suffering in both body and spirit endured by the Savior of the world so that we could flee. We owe him something for that. Indeed, we owe him everything for that. You are not your own, Paul says. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In sexual transgression, the soul is at stake, the body and the spirit. How many times do we hear this, that you are not your own, you are owned by someone else, and you're not allowed to do with your body what you want because it's not yours? That is crazy to hear it like that. I mean, I know it's there, and I know we heard it growing up, and I know we heard it in multiple different ways, but that is intense. I mean, not only the whole, like, we heard all the time that Christ sacrificed everything for us, and we owe him everything, and he Mm -hmm. said, like, we always heard that. Yeah, I haven't I don't remember and I'm sure I did hear it. But that way of saying in that like your body is not yours, like you owe your body to Christ, basically, because he made a sacrifice. That's crazy. We believe in a God who would actually think that way. Yeah, And who would be who would own us and tell us what we can and cannot do with our body, even down to what we can wear, what we can drink, who we can kiss. Like all of that stuff, it's it's ah uh, like and they say they're not a cult. I mean, come on. (laughs) Secondly, may I stress that human intimacy is reserved for a married couple because it is the ultimate symbol of total union, a totality and a union ordained and defined by God. I hate when um religions try to take ownership of of marriage because. Yeah. It's not it's not something defined by God. It is a human secular practice that humans created. Exactly. <laughs> it was a transaction. It yeah. had nothing to do with religion in the beginning. Like Right. But they're like, oh, God invented it so that <laughs> you can be together and have sex. Like, get out of here. <laughs> but again, it was always one of these things that I, I would ask as a Mormon like if marriage is so important and like being sealed, because that was the second part too. So I was always like, if you have to be sealed in the temple for like eternal salvation, then why, 
was it not invented is not the right word, but why was it not established from the beginning of time? Right. From, why is it like now and we have to go back and do all this baptism for the dead? And like, <laughs> yeah, I guess God has a really bad timing. He's such a yeah. procrastinator. Yeah. It's like, why not have that and the temple ceremony from the very beginning when supposedly, you know, Adam and Eve were a thing? Why not start it then instead of in 1840 or whenever uh, there's a guy with his head in a hat saying you have to do these weird handshakes in a temple <laughs> and exactly. you got to go back and do them for everyone who's ever lived or they're not going to make it to the celestial kingdom. Like, come on, God, get your shit together. Get your shit together. But for real, like it never made sense to me as a woman, never. And the same thing with like marriage where I'm like, but if marriage was so important, then why was it in place? Like, why wasn't Adam and Eve married? Like, why weren't, like, I just, it, it always confused me. I was like, oh, well, it came later on. I'm like, but then isn't that a social construct? Like, that doesn't. It's absolutely a social construct. It's yeah. confusing. <laughs> like, just have faith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably not praying enough. Yeah, yeah you're so. not praying enough. Have you read the Book of Mormon? Have right? you, have you fasted recently? So interestingly enough, the the next line talks about uh, Adam and Eve or the Garden of Eden. It says, from the Garden of Eden onward, marriage was intended to mean the complete merger of a man and a woman, their hearts, hopes, lives, love, family, future, everything. Adam said of Eve that she was the bone of his bones and the flesh of his flesh and that they were to be one flesh in their life together. I mean, that just sounds dirty all over it, like bone of his bone. Flesh of his flesh. Flesh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. But um, he's saying here <laughs> that from the, at the very beginning, it was established, but we just went over how that wasn't so. That was yeah, exactly. He's So he's lying because <laughs> there wasn't temple marriage or even necessarily marriage in the Bible story of Adam and Eve, right? No, there's, there's, no, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but I have never been told or taught that Adam and Eve were married or any of that stuff. Like it, they weren't married, right? And they didn't uh, have temple ordinance bond. <laughs> shit, and like, don't get me started on the idea that the whole world had to be created by incest twice if you right? count the flood. So. That's the other thing, and we're meant to take that literally. Like, when people are like, oh, but Adam and Eve is not like a literal story. I'm like, in Mormonism and in most Christian denominations, it is. It is to be taken. Literally. Yeah, in Mormonism, it's they tell you it's literally what happened. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a union of such completeness that we use the word seal to convey its eternal promise. The prophet Joseph Smith once said we perhaps could render such a sacred bond as being welded one to another. Gross. Welded. Gross, J-Dog. I welded. That's romantic. Um, all right. Can you see the moral schizophrenia that comes from pretending you are one, pretending you have made solemn promises before God, sharing the physical symbols and the physical intimacy of your counterfeit union, but then fleeing, retreating, severing all such other aspects of what was meant to be a total obligation? Fuck you, Jeff. Like, that's saying that if you're not married in the temple or you have sex outside of the temple, you're in love with someone. That it's not real. You're just pretending and you're a counterfeit. Like, wow. That's no, so 
fucking rude. <laughs> it's so fucking rude, but it's so like fucking re- ridiculous and, and hypocritical because in most cases, not all, and maybe most is extreme, but in a lot of Mormon situations, there's not that element of love and authenticity. It's like, hey, we have to get married because the church tells us to and you'll do. Like I'm right. going for two hot minutes and we're going to get married and build an entire family together. What's real about that? What's like. Right. Like, and and we understand there are exceptions. Yes. Some exactly. Very loving Mormon couples. But there is also that happens all the time. They, they, they meet their 19, 21, whatever, and they are so horny and they can't do anything about it unless they're married because of talks like this. So they're, they've known each other for, yeah, like three weeks and they get married. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, okay. I mean, again, we know that that's not true for all cases. And we have some listeners who are still, they left the church and they're still with their partners because it is a solid relationship in the marriage. Yeah. And that's beautiful. That's fantastic. But I also knew quite a few couples. I'm like, I know you don't love each other. Even as a Mormon, I was like, yeah, I know you don't. It's just literally either you want to have sex or you're lonely and you know that you have to, like, you feel this pressure to get married because it's what the church is telling you. It's expected of you. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And uh, yeah, but then they're, they're thinking in their mind, I'm superior to other couples because I was married in the Mormon church and those other couples are just counterfeit unions. Like that is (laughs) so fucked up. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to tell Greg after this recording, like, we have a counterfeit reading. He'd be like, well, it feels pretty fucking real to me. (laughs) (laughs) He's seen some shit, literally. (laughs) Literally. More than once. Oh, my, my. Um, In matters of human intimacy, you must wait. There's an exclamation point there. You must wait until you can give everything, and you cannot give everything until you are legally and lawfully married. To give illicitly that which is not yours to give, remember, you are not your own, and to give only part of that which cannot be followed with the gift of your whole self is emotional Russian roulette. What? Yeah, again, you can't give your body to someone else because it's not yours. Unless you're married, then you can give them your body Uh, if if you persist in pursuing a physical satisfaction without the sanction of heaven you run the terrible risk of such spiritual psychic damage that you might under you may undermine both your longing for physical intimacy and your ability to give wholehearted devotion to a later truer love oh my god i've i heard this all the time too it's the chewed gum thing right like if you if you have sex with someone or I don't know just any kind of sexual interaction, you are then soiled and you can't give your pure self uh-huh. to your eternal companion later on. And it's mostly directed to, towards women. Like occasionally it'll be like, oh man, you have to be pure and chaste that you can give yourself to your future wife. But most of the time it's like women have to be chaste and pure and yeah. Like you have to be a virgin when you get married because you're offering yourself to someone else. Like, yeah, isn't that so gross to think about that you're you're giving your quote unquote virginity also another social construct, but you're giving that to some uh, to your husband as a gift. It's gross. 
It's, it's gross. So gross. It's so gross. And I remember yeah. thinking like, I know we've talked about it on some episodes where, I don't know, when, the, when I was younger, I was always like, yes, of course, I want to be with someone who's like a virgin and like, you know, I have to save my body and my soul for them. So I would expect the same. And then as I got older, and especially towards the end of my time in the Mormon church, I remember being like, I really don't want it to be like, I want it to be a convert or someone who's been married before. So they know what they're doing. Cause I was <laughs> so like, I do not want to end up with a guy who's like, <laughs> who's never done never it had sex. And yeah. I'm in my late twenties getting married and being like, okay, that's, that's not what I wanted to wait for. <laughs> that's um, the sign that you were questioning, right? <laughs> yeah. <exactly>. yeah. <laughs> okay. You may come to that truer moment of ordained love, of real union, only to discover to your horror that what you should have saved, you have already spent. And only God's grace can recover the piecemeal dissipation of the virtue virtue you so casually gave away. I want to punch this man in the face. I want to punch him in the face, but I want to just like send this talk to my therapist and be like, this is, Oh, Hey, I think that's actually a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I'm fucked up. Part of the reason I'm fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) This is why, this is why I have these anxiety dreams about sex. I was 11 when I heard this and it stuck with me. So have fun with that therapist. (laughs) Um, On your wedding day, the very best gift you can give your eternal companion is your very best self, clean and pure and worthy of such purity in return. Barf. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. It's laid out. Like, they don't talk about it this blatantly anymore, I don't think. They they really have tried to clean up their image. But this is a rebrand. Yeah, this wasn't that long ago, honestly, and it's fucked up all of us, our generation, so still going to speak about it. Yeah. Um, may I say that physical intimacy is not only a symbolic union between a husband and wife, the very uniting of their souls, but it is also symbolic of a shared relationship between them and their father in heaven. Oh, I hate that narrative so much. I hate it. And it's like you're just picturing celestial Jesus in the corner. <laughs> I know, just watching you. It's so gross. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> again, I remember even like as a Mormon being like, "That's weird," but okay, I guess God's supposed to be in your relationship. Yeah, he's he's the third. Um, he's, he's the third in the thruple. He's the third in the thruple. I wonder, I wonder what, (laughs) I'm not even going to keep going. I was like, I I wonder what his preferences are. I wonder, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to think about it. (laughs) I don't, but I do. Oh my God. It's, and I think that's so just, just creepy. I I can't think of a different word than creepy because even when I was Mormon, I remember being taught that and being like, when I finally get to get married and be intimate with someone, there's going to be God watching me and I'm going to be naked and I feel weird about it. <laughs> yeah. I was never like this feeling of like, um, oh, I feel at peace. I feel, I feel the Holy ghost. It was like, <laughs> I don't want to think about that. Like, I don't want to think about 
having sex within my marriage and for the first time, especially, and then God <laughs> being in the corner, like, oh, hey, 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 how's it going? Yep, that's a really good position. Try that. Try that one out. I think that'll be easier for you for your first time. Like, oh, <laughs> can get get more yeah. leverage. Yeah, get more leverage. <laughs> I'm cheering for yeah. you. <laughs> Make sure you stretch before going. Great. Yep. Oh, yep. Well. Stay hyd- Stay hydrated. Um, <laughs> my beloved friends, especially my young friends, can you see why personal purity is such a serious matter? Can you understand why the First Presidency and the Council of the Twelve Apostles would issue a proclamation declaring that the means by which mortal life is created is divinely appointed, and that the sacred powers of procreation are to employed only between man and woman lawfully wedded as husband and wife? We haven't really touched on too much, but the absolute like homophobia and transphobia oh, yeah. and all of this too. It's just it's oh, yeah. rampant. <laughs> only hetero. Yeah. <laughs> don't be deceived and don't be destroyed. Unless such powers are controlled and commandments kept, your future may be burned. Your world could go up in flames. Penalty may not come on the precise day of transgression, but it comes surely and certainly enough. Oh my God, it's so intense. It's like, just what get lazy. Like, why are you so angry? Yeah, is he just jealous of people having orgasms and he's like if you do it you're gonna burn your future is gonna be ruined if you're gonna get chlamydia and die (laughs) you will get chlamydia and he will die um clearly i mean it's like this guy has never orgasmed before or something because he's obsessed with it why he's obsessed with it but it's (laughs) it's just i can't imagine as a grown ass woman giving this talk to a group of youth like you know what I mean like it feels very strange to tell them yeah if you don't control your sexual urges you're gonna burn I what what that's insane who says that to little 12 year olds but (laughs) Jeffrey R. Holland apparently (laughs) Um, so this is the last the last paragraph, it says, I bear witness to, to the great plan of life, the powers of godliness, of mercy and forgiveness and the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of which have profound meaning in matters of moral cleanliness. I testify that we are to glorify God in our body and our spirit. I thank heaven for legions of the young who are doing just that and helping others do the same. I thank heaven for homes where this is taught, that lives of personal purity may be reverenced by all. I pray in the name of purity himself, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Ew, he said in purity himself. (laughs) In the name of purity himself. Jesus Jesus is over there like, I don't ever go by that name, sir. (laughs) Who's purity? (laughs) Who's purity? Who I don't know her. <laughs> I don't know her. Does she go here? She doesn't even go she doesn't here. Even go here. <laughs> you know what? How, how many pe- little ki- like little girls are named Purity because their oh. their uh, their pa- parents are religious? Sorry oh, if any of you named your child Purity. I don't want to offend you, but yeah, par- but no, it's it's no. a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> It's it's a thing. So what did you think? How did little uh, 11 year old Sarah feel about that? Sad, because it's like triggering. It's definitely I heard I remember that talk. I definitely remember hearing that talk. Yeah. I don't think actually, to be fair, I don't think I 
I don't think I heard the talk because I didn't watch General Conference when I was young. Yeah. Um, but I I remember like reading it, so I want to say maybe it came out on like Enzyme or something. And oh, I'm sure it. it was in the the one for the youth. I I, I can't remember what that one was. The right. New Era was what no, it was no, called. New Era, yeah, that's what it was. And it also could have been taught to you just at um, Sunday school or in seminary. I'm sure it was referenced. Yeah. I know it was for me. It was referenced exactly. during Sunday school or young women's lessons. Yeah, I have a. To me, it's it's reminding me of young women. So I'm pretty sure I had this lesson in young women's. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's so great. But it, it, again, like we joke and say like, Oh, we should share this with our therapist. But like, honestly, like, no, for real, because it's super damaging to the little youth brains. And yeah. then, like you said, you grow to fear sexual intimacy and you don't know what to do with your sexuality and it affects the entire rest of your life yeah exactly and you always have that sense of guilt every time Mm -hmm. even yeah I mean it's 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 been years since I've left the church and there's still every now and then a moment that overcomes me when I think about anything sexual or like anything that's healthy I still get this like twinge of like guilt or ping of guilt inside I know I know me too and and I would even get that until recently when I would see a sex scene on a tv show I would feel that twinge of of your you're guilting yourself you're feeling like you're dirty or something and luckily I've been able to work through that and I don't have that anymore but it was even something as small as that had affected me well into my adult life. Yeah, exactly. Same. Yeah. It's, and I'm sure you listeners can relate to this. So I, sometimes when people go, well, if you left the Mormon church, why are you still talking about it? And the truth that there's lots of reasons, but one of them is because you can't just a lot of, I mean, maybe some people can, but most of us can't just leave it and flip a switch and we're fine. There's been a lot of spiritual abuse and emotional damage that has happened to us from this church, and we need to talk through it and work it out, and not all of us can afford, you know, weekly therapies, so we need to talk it out for each other, and then also we want to talk about it in hopes that maybe we can help people who are in the church and they are feeling these things and they think that they're sinful or insane, because we knew that's what we we felt. And it's like, it's important to talk about it. And and I don't think a lot of people, even, especially if they haven't been raised in it, they don't realize like how important it is. They're probably like, oh, that's just kind of weird. Like you left a weird little religion. It's like, nah, it kind of defined like our whole, <laughs> our whole personality, our whole yes. lives for a while. So like getting out of it and then you, you can't just not think about it or talk about it. <laughs> there's, there's no way. Exactly. Everything that you said is exactly. It's we were taught at such a young age and at such a like an age where you're absorbing everything. Your mind is just yes. like all in. It's easily shaped and molded and yes. Hear this narrative that sex is horrible. It's next to to murder. It's you know just yeah, it's one of the worst things you can do, then that impacts you for the rest of your life. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. an easy 
switch off. It's like, okay, you still have that way of thinking and still, still feel that guilt and that sense of dirtiness. Like sometimes I still yeah. dirty after, you know? Right. And I hate that that is something that we've had to deal with because yeah. these old well, we- men wanted to control us and take our tithing money and make us scared of everything. Yeah. <sighs> are you are you ang- are you are you raging because I am <laughs> I am raging I'm raging but I'm also a bit like relieved knowing that my son will not have to go through that yes yes I will never do that to him like I want him to just feel comfortable in his body and in his sexuality and not feel ashamed or guilty yeah. anyway oh absolutely and cheers to you and cheers to everyone who listens that has have children because I know we have a lot of listeners who are parents and you all are breaking that cycle in letting your children be themselves and you're not imposing this trauma on them and I just think that's beautiful that we have so many of you that you're changing the future because you're letting the next generation um, be who they who they actually are and not have to live a lifetime of guilt and shame because of the religion they were born in so that is that and thank you for joining me and and letting me share this horrible nugget with you (laughs) yeah if you weren't down before and if you weren't triggered by all the new 90s and y2k fashion (laughs) that's making a full circle then this will do it for you yeah now you're for you (laughs) we brought you right down yay it's what we do (laughs) Well, thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.